The summer holidays have arrived here in Scotland, which for many of us means that the juggle has begun. But I still want and need to grow my business over summer, as I'm sure you do too. External factors such as school holidays, fuel prices, cost of living crisis, etc, etc, cannot be allowed to dictate the success or otherwise of our businesses. So to help you keep going and keep making more money over summer, I'm running a challenge, the Summer Visibility Sprint. If you've ever wondered, how can I be seen by more of my ideal clients? How can I make more regular monthly income? And what does it really take to stand out and be noticed online? Then you need the Summer Visibility Sprint. You can find all the details and secure your spot at nikkihutchison.com forward slash get dash visible. It may sound simplistic, but getting more visible is absolutely key to you making more sales. If people don't know you exist, they can't and won't buy from you. It really is as simple as that. I can't tell you the number of women who've signed up to my challenges and made sales within the space of a few days of joining. Seriously, let's make that happen for you. If you want to boost things over summer and make more sales, get yourself signed up today. We start on Tuesday, the 25th of July, 2023. And that link again is nikkihutchison.com forward slash get dash visible. Now, on with today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. The Audience Growth Podcast exists to help you learn how to use organic marketing, that's marketing that costs nothing or very little, to grow your business. Far too frequently, small business owners spend lots of money on advertising without getting the results they were expecting and hoping for. And it doesn't need to be that way. So every week here on the podcast, we dive into strategies that will help you grow a business that's here for the long term. Sometimes on solo episodes and sometimes on longer guest episodes. And on today's episode, I'm chatting all things YouTube with Matthew Hughes, otherwise known as the king of video. We'll be covering why every business needs a YouTube channel. And as a business owner who is not currently focusing on YouTube, I'm really excited to learn from Matt on today's show. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm so super excited about being on this particular podcast because I love audience growth. Good stuff. So I've done a quick intro to our listeners already, but tell me, what did I miss? I really want to hear where you're from, how your business has come about, all the juicy stuff. Perfect. Well, the first one's easy. I'm from Leicester in the UK, sunny Leicester. And the name of my brand is probably the most interesting part because king of video, people always ask me, how did you become the king of video? And most kings are just, you know, the title of being a king is taken uh, as you all know from history, but I took mine because the domain name was available. That That's really the truth. There's a UFC fighter and there's an author called Matt Hughes. And I thought there's no way I can overtake a sports personality on YouTube, you know, and when you're creating a personal brand, you know, I thought about it sort of tongue in cheek, like, you know, who am I to be the king of video? But I asked my coaching group at the time and I was like, can I call myself the king of video? And they just said, shut up and get on with it. So <laughs> Sounds like a good grip, some good advice there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, there's like some real nice kudos of people saying, here's Matt, the king of video. Yeah. So I really quite like the introduction of that. But in truth, you know, I, I've had 
video company for seven years. We traveled the world making video. So it's not like I just took a course online for five minutes and became a video guy or the king of video. We've made over a thousand commercial videos for businesses, you know, so there's some pedigree there as well. Ah, brilliant. So when did you first start getting into YouTube then? The YouTube stuff came about because about 2020, I started doing video coaching for people. And I I don't know if you feel like this, but when you do a subject like video, it's quite wide and open. It's a bit like the anti-niche, so to speak. And although I was doing lots of different video things, live stream, YouTube, video for your business, whatever, and I was being tagged here and there, people couldn't really like decide what I was there for. It was just too generic. So I kind of stumbled across YouTube and I thought, well, maybe I could be the YouTube coach. And I looked around and I didn't see many people doing it. And I thought, okay, well, let's niche down to YouTube and make that my niche rather than looking for a, you know, a normal audience niche. It was more about like being the YouTube guy. And since then, you know, I started the, my own channel and I built that up and I've started teaching people. We've got YouTube challenges, all the kind of good stuff that you'd kind of expect from any business that's niched into any area. And while you were doing all of that, did you still have your video production company? No. So I closed that on February the 29th, 2020, two weeks before the pandemic. So some would say it was a good time because we filmed events. Mm. You know, I was devastated to close it down, really. I love the business. I love traveling with the business. But closing it two weeks before a global pandemic, which stopped us traveling completely. I know people who lost like 70, 80, 90% of their business overnight, and we would have been one of them. So I was kind of glad to have pivoted at that time. It made a lot of sense. And everything we did after that, we had like a, a video repurposing business and that was all online so it's like the perfect time really sounds like it that's some uh, freaky foresight you had right there (laughs) yeah absolutely so I'm sure that most of the people listening already know that YouTube is owned by Google which makes it a really important platform for search but can you share what that actually means if you're trying to use YouTube as a way to grow a business yes so A lot of people think about it as like, well, you know, you hear the stats, Google's number one, YouTube's number two. But I really think about YouTube from a strategic purpose all the time. And I think, what can it do for my business? How can I use this platform really to strategically grow my business? And the best example of this is is my most popular video, which of course is the video I hate the most. So for anyone that is starting and, and, you know, you you think you're going to create the best piece of content and everyone will love that best piece of content. It just doesn't happen. The one piece of content I hate the most is my most popular. And it was an answer to a question. So it was the time in 2020, everybody suddenly had to go online and they didn't know how to, when they were doing Facebook Lives, they were being sideways. I don't know if you saw this at the time. So they'd do a Facebook Live, they'd start their live in portrait mode and then they'd decide, oh, I'm going to do it sideways. So they'd turn their phone, but the, the video wouldn't turn at the same time, like it would stay as it was when you started. So I was just answering this question I was answering it over and over again I was like I'm so annoyed answering this question all the time I'm just going to create a video and then put it on YouTube and share it and what happened is that video then got super popular because of the pandemic because of all all these people going online so if you search for Facebook live sideways for a good amount of time 102 million results I was the top of Google wow now, really think about that. You know, if you think about from SEO terms and all that kind of stuff, like there's plenty of people that will try and sell you to get you the top of Google. But this is a really great opportunity where you can do that with no spend, you know, no ad spend. I'd filmed that video on my phone. I'd edited it on my phone. It really was a terrible video. But still now it brings me new subscribers. You know, with 2023, it's, in fact, I think I created it in 2019 before the pandemic. So yeah, it's, it's responsible for... 
250-odd subscribers subscribing to my channel. And I've only got a small channel, so it was a big percentage of my channel. And so have you been able to replicate that with any other content? No, because that's the most popular one. I mean, like for me, at the time I was answering questions, so one of the things that I learned from that, and one of the things I teach people now and still to this day, is when you're first getting started on YouTube, Mr. B says it takes 100 bad videos before you get good at it. And what I try to explain to people is you can accelerate that process by being strategic with it. Uh, I say strategy a lot because that's really what everything comes down to. But what I teach people is the first sort of 10 to 20 videos you create should be just answering those questions you answer the most in your business because they're going to add the most value to you when you're sending them to other people. It's going to save you time because you don't have to repeat yourself all the time. And just imagine what happens when they land on your channel and there's all these questions. They thought of one, but there's another 10 that they hadn't thought of yet. What would that do for no like and trust? You know, all of a sudden you're accelerating that process because, you know, they're watching, they're binge watching you like Netflix style and then learning that you've got the answers to all of their questions. So obviously the title of this episode is why every business should have a YouTube channel. So I might already guess at your answer to this, but surely there are specific types of business that lend themselves better to YouTube than others. I don't think so. I've not met a business yet where I could say, you you know, you should definitely not be on YouTube. There's certain things where I think uh, short form content is a better place to start, maybe. I have something called five A's, right? It's five A's of YouTube, I call it. The A's are audience, authority, asset, accelerate and added value, right? And I put this into a little statement. The best way to build an audience is to increase your authority by creating an asset library of your best content, accelerating know, like and trust and using YouTube to add value to your existing sales and marketing strategy, right? And I I say that because there's no mention of industry. There's no mention of audience size. Like it really encapsulates everything we're trying to do with a YouTube channel. I really like that. One of the biggest objections that you must hear a lot to getting started on YouTube is this idea that it takes such a long time to build any sort of audience on there. How do you help people get over that fear? So I'll answer the question. Right, I'm going to ask the question. But I'm going to ask you, Nikki, we're on episode 79 now. When you started this podcast, you must have known that this podcast would take an amount of time to get started. Yes, probably because I wanted to hit your five A's. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully when you think about podcasts as a long-term strategy, that's, I think, when you started this, and like anyone that's looking at a long-term strategy, you have to think to yourself, how is this going to benefit me in year two or three? Because actually probably a lot of the time, the first year, you're kind of finding your feet and you're trying to understand what your thing is going to be like. You know, things evolve over time, even with the best strategy and foresight ahead. You know, nobody knew the pandemic was going to happen. So you've got to really think about that long-term goal. But that doesn't mean that you can't get short-term gains straight away. So I've got a presentation called, it's a video on my YouTube channel now called How to Make Money on YouTube, right? And I don't talk about YouTube advertising and AdSense, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I need to get 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 watch hours or 3,000 as it is now. Like, you don't have to do that now. Actually, you can just be strategic and go, what is my objective of starting a YouTube channel? So my objective might be to get more coaching clients. Okay, so if I create videos answering the questions, the objections that they have all the time, you know, potential clients, how can I then create a call to action that's going to move them 
from YouTube to my email list or move them into a coaching discovery call. And if you do all of this and you put all of this together, you can convert people within a matter of weeks. Realistically months, but within a matter of weeks, it can happen as well. So I had one client who had 150 subscribers, which is next to nothing, 2,000 views on her videos, total 2,000 views. So that all of you, you know, if you ever look on YouTube channels, you're like, oh, there's only 100 on that or 50 on that one or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Just focus on what's happening in your bank account. Are you getting discovery calls? Are people moving to your email list? And she converted one of those viewers, one of those viewers, to be a £6,000 client with 150 subscribers and 2,000 views. So it is a long-term play and I never like undersell it as like, you know, we're going to be YouTube famous in a week. <laughs> you know, it's nothing like that. We're going to go viral or anything like that. So it's definitely a strategic long-term play, but you can get relatively quick returns if you are strategic with it. Again, I'm saying strategic. Okay, so that's a convincing argument. Let's say that I'm convinced I'm going to set up my YouTube channel. What sort of commitment do I need to make? How frequently do I need to be sharing videos? All that kind of stuff. Great question. And this is the the most common questions I get asked. So I have a getting started on YouTube course, which I should mention, of course. <laughs> but yep. I'm not just going to mention that as a Spamler Anderson. You know, you interviewed Danny. It's Danny who first introduced me to Spamler Anderson. And I was like, oh my God, Spamler Anderson. That's great. And my business partner was like, yeah, everyone says that. Never heard of it before. But I'm just going to tell you what's in that course because it really breaks down to fundamentally a couple of things. The first one is to have a plan to publish a new video every week right? So same as a podcast, if you're going to be successful, podcast, YouTube, one video minimum every week. doesn't need to be any more than that. I've seen people that publish every day and they get the same results as people that publish every week. I've seen people that publish once a month and equally get the same results. Um, But I just say as a a repeatable process, think of it but like a TV show uh, once a week. Most people ask about time. So I say sort of between five and 15 minutes for a video, like really to get into a good amount of detail, but not waffle too long. Five to 15 minutes is what you're after. And to make it really easy on yourself, uh, batch them in batches of four. So set yourself some time once a month, some time where you know you're gonna, it's going to be quiet and you've got the time to sit and do this and record your four videos. And then you can edit them and just start releasing them once a week. The other secret hack that I'll give you is to make sure you've got four in the bag before you start publishing. So you're not always chasing your tail. You know, you can get so excited and wrapped up in launching a channel that you launch a video and then you're like, oh, damn, I've got to go and record the next one. And then something happens, you go to a festival, you miss a bit of time. Uh, I'm now behind two weeks and I can't be bothered or, you know, I don't, I've not got the motivation to get back on the, on the saddle, so to speak. So it is very like podcasting. You want to make sure you've got a few episodes in the bag. Just give yourself a bit of breathing room. Yeah. And podcasters are the are the best example, like my ideal client, really, because with a podcast, you already know that you've got a schedule like that. You know, I know you don't publish yours as videos, but I say to all podcasters, like, that's what you should be doing because you've created this content and you've got loads of people that love consuming it in their ears whilst they're on a walk, as I did yours. <laughs> but other people will sit and binge it Netflix style on their iPad or on the train or whatever. They might have YouTube and be able to take it offline, you know, so don't miss out on that audience as well because it's so easy to grab both of them, really. And frivolous question, (laughs) but when you're batching, do you do outfit changes? Yeah or nay? 
No, because I wear the same hoodie for everything. So it doesn't make any difference to me. (laughs) But it's a great question. And my audience is largely women. And I, I get this question so much from women. I would say as a man that most people won't notice, but I said that to a woman once and she was like, Matt, I'd notice every time. And I was like, damn, I can't say that anymore. (laughs) I think your content is so important. I think people know now, you know, if you're doing podcasts or YouTube channels and stuff like people kind of expect that you're going to batch. And if your audience is clever marketers or business owners, they'd expect you to be super efficient. So why couldn't you have the same outfit on? You know, you're not talking about the same topic every time. But if it makes you feel better, then just a quick the quick outfit <laughs> change in between is going to be useful for you, for sure. And when I was at Social Media Marketing World, as I know you were, I went to listen to Pat Flynn. Did you go to that session? No, but I've heard Pat Flynn speak loads. Yeah, he's got a YouTube course as well, yeah. Yeah, he has a big channel and he talks a lot about Pokemon randomly. And when I was watching his Pokemon videos on YouTube during this presentation, I found it quite intimidating because I thought, okay, that level of production is something that I would have to aspire to. And I kind of thought, is there any point in starting if that's the level that you're trying to get to? And I know that that's going to take insane amounts of time and team and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So how do you get over those types of feelings and just get started anyway? Okay, so you are in the camp that I work with, right? And I'll explain to you why, because actually my channel, I've got 1,300 subscribers, 1,300, right? I'm not a big YouTuber. I've made a lot of money off the back of YouTube, but I can't go around saying I've got 100,000 subscribers or a million subscribers. I don't have a plaque on my wall or anything like that. And when I first started coaching people, I was waiting for somebody to say and call me out on it. You know, how can you teach this stuff when you've got a small amount of subscribers? And of course, if you remember the story, I said, you know, I had a video company. I really just want to teach people how to make better video. I want to teach them how to be consistent, how to be confident, all that kind of good stuff. And then someone said to me instead, Matt, the only reason I signed up for your membership was because you're a small YouTuber. Like I look at Pat Flynn and people like that. She didn't say Pat Flynn, but another big YouTuber and... She said, I just can't imagine getting to that level. Like, I don't know what it looks like. You know, the the level I'm at now, I'm sitting in my office. I've got a permanent setup. I've got some LED lights and a few other things. Like, I've got literally a guide that shows you how to have my setup. And then that's step one, you know. And then, like, we can talk about B-roll or going out and having a videographer with you or a rig and all that kind of good stuff that we did when we were in the video company. But fundamentally, I just teach people to get started and then we figure all that stuff out later on. And going back to that Mr. Beast, I, I know everybody uses this Mr. Beast quote of the first 100 videos are going to be awful. But I really think it's so important to understand that that's okay to do that. You know, you can get started, be a little bit rough around the edges, you know, start on your mobile phone if that's all the equipment you've got. You don't need to buy any more equipment. You know, you can slowly add to this stuff. And eventually you get to a point where you are super competent at what you're doing. You know how to film. You know what to expect when you're editing your video. Oh, I need to do this shot now because I know that'll look good in the edit. Or I need to ask these questions. Again, Nikki, same as the podcast, right? You probably started it. I'm saying this about you. I don't. I, I didn't listen to episode one, so I don't know how you've improved. You might have been an expert from the start, right? But I think like most things, when you're just getting started, the idea sounds great, but you really don't know what you're doing. And, and eventually you get to a point where you know, I've got a plan for my videos, I've got a structure, 
we do quarterly planning. I've got a branding template for the YouTube channel, you know, like all of these stuff didn't happen overnight. It's like people compare themselves in day one to other people's year five. And it's just not a fair comparison. And the fact is that you're never going to get there if you don't start. I delivered a Facebook Live inside my free Facebook community, which is called Audience Growth Collective, for three years, every single week. And the first time that I went live, (laughs) I didn't even go live. I was sitting in my old office. It had beige walls. It had strip lights. It looked horrendous. And I thought, right, I had this big, long script prepared. And I thought, right, let me record myself going through this script. Took me about 10 minutes. And at the end, I thought, oh, well, I didn't have any bloopers. So let's just upload that instead of going live. So, you know, I was so terrified of going live that I didn't even go live. But then things improved. I worked on the backdrop, you know, all of that stuff. And I didn't have 10 minute scripts. I literally had bullet points, if that or just a title of what I wanted to talk about. So I completely agree with what you're saying about not striving to be perfect and just starting instead. And, you know, I was kind of the same as you in an opposite sense. Like I was behind the camera loads. I was a public speaker. I'd spoken in front of 300 people at that time. But the thought of sitting in front of a camera was just like crippling almost. I just couldn't do it at all. And so my first live which I link to now in my presentation, as I say, if you want to go and see like a little mouse speaking, because I was really quiet on it as well. (laughs) And this awful Facebook Live, where I'd got £10,000 worth of equipment. I was so rich with equipment because of the production company I had, that I'd got all of this (laughs) £10,000 worth of equipment. And it's so bad. You know, like the lighting's bad, the set was (laughs) bad. I've got some pop and some shoes in the background. Like it was just really awful. (laughs) But what I did with Facebook Live is I did one every day for six months and I'd committed to it in in that one live. And it just transformed me. And and it's just because I started. And and like you say, imperfect action is my favourite phrase because when I learned that, it really gave me permission to just show up and get on with it and really create perfection as I go. And, you know, my daughter came home once and she said, what is it we used to learn at school? It was practice makes perfect. But my daughter came back once and she said, practice makes progress. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. That's, I can just change that belief in my head now to move forward. And it was my daughter that taught me that, which, which I thought was good as well. So obviously this is the Audience Growth Podcast. So I've got an important question that I think our listeners are going to want to hear the answer to. If you were starting from scratch, growing a YouTube channel today how would you get to your first 100 followers? Okay, so I've got two YouTube videos about this on my channel at the moment. One's how to get to your first 100, and then one's how to get to your first 1,000. And the strategies are kind of different. I feel like your first 100, it's a bit of a hustle strategy. You kind of find as many people in your audience that are interested in what you've got to talk about and kind of say to them, hey, you know, just started a YouTube channel, come and subscribe to me. I'm going to teach you these things on it, you know. I used to beg for subscribers right at the start. In fact, I got this example of me being in a group and saying, no, I subscribe to my channel. But I try and avoid that and tell people that it's not really appropriate to do that. The better way to do it is show people what's in it for them. So, you know, I'm going to create this content and it's going to be my YouTube channel. This is before you start. You can say, uh, come and subscribe to me to get that stuff, you know, be the first to see it when it comes online. And then once you've got the content and you start in published content, you can then say, hey, I've got this free training for you. And it might be like, how to get to your first 100 subscribers, you know, go and watch this video and always thinking about the one person watching and what's in it for them. 
So unless you're a vlogger and you're just talking about yourself, which is a different audience type, from a business perspective, you always want to be thinking, the business person's super busy. What value can I give them that's good for them that they might want to share with other people as well? Like, I think if you keep that sort of top of mind, you'll create content that's really great and and worth watching and, and gives people value as well. And these days, do you do a mix of longer form and YouTube shorts or what do you do? Yes, yeah. So we have a shorts challenge, which I might end up running monthly very soon. But with the shorts challenge, we get people to do a YouTube short every day. It could be a TikTok and a reel as well. Like it depends on the person's platform. I I advertise it as shorts challenge, but it's really a short form content challenge. And that really contributes to the overall long form content as well. And because they're kind of split up on the way YouTube uh, shows them now as well, it could be really something that brings a whole new audience to your long-form content. So definitely a a mixed strategy is important. Okay, great. And what about anybody who is doing really well on YouTube right now, either your own clients or people that you admire? Who's really nailing it on YouTube today, would you say? Yes, I've got a couple of examples for you. One off the back of what you've just asked me, actually, which a guy called Austin Armstrong, I don't know if you caught his session at Social Media Marketing World. Yeah, so I met Austin maybe a year before Social Media Marketing World, so sometime last year, and I followed what he was doing, and I could see him doing these short-form content videos about AI, and they were really simple, but they seemed to get lots of traction. And the more I watched of his content, I was like, oh, he's got some little uh, Easter eggs in there, and and you'll have to go and watch his session to understand what these Easter eggs were. But they were simple things like a folder with a a funny name, like Somebody Nude or whatever. Like, it, it was just a catchy attention. I could see in the comments, people commenting and and looking for these Easter eggs, you know, and I'm going to get the numbers completely wrong, but it was something like he went to 5,000 subscribers in like three years. And then he went to 100,000 in three days from 5,000. So it was an overnight success, but it took him four years. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And what he did, the thing that I really liked about it, and the reason why I like his strategy the most is because he took his short form content audience that he built on TikTok and he moved them over to YouTube. So there's absolutely, if you're sitting there listening to this and thinking, well, you know, Instagram's my platform or LinkedIn's my platform. I've got a great audience on there. It doesn't mean you can't shift that audience over. It's absolutely possible. It's a really simple strategy to be able to do that. And you can grow on other platforms quickly. I also use Erica Coolberg. So she has something called Erica Taught Me Now. She famously quit her $250,000 a year lawyer job. She was a lawyer in the city and became a YouTuber. She's got 1.2 million subscribers now. I checked just before this. And then, of course, I should shout out my own client, Tash Minchella, Natasha Minchella. Uh, she's a one-to-one client of me and she's just started and we're almost at 100 subscribers and we're about four weeks in, you know, like... Oh, that's brilliant. I wanted to show you the opposite end because I believe Tasha's got a great audience already. She helps small business owners with like legal stuff. She's called the least lawyery lawyer and her <laughs> content is great. You know, she's had this channel for four years, hasn't published anything on for four years. I think it was like 10 subscribers when she came to me and I think we're in week four of publishing every week now and she's starting to get traction now and, and get more views and more subscribers. So I'm super excited for that. That's really encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So obviously we've talked a lot about YouTube. I've loved it. I am definitely feeling more interested. (laughs) Good, good. Not committed, but interested. That's good. I'm sure you will get me over the line soon. (laughs) But tell me, 
to market your own business, what are some of the other things that are working really well for you when it comes to getting more clients? You know, I, I talked about strategy before, and I have to say that if you're launching a YouTube channel, I would say you can't rely on that solely, uh, especially when you're getting started. Uh, you know, when I look at some people like Primal Video, for example, Primal Video is Justin Brown. He was at Social Media Marketing World. He's got a huge email list. So when he is publishing videos and he sends a new video out to his email list, of course he's going to get more views because he's got that list to back it up. So I think email marketing, of course, is super important. Getting people as viewers from your YouTube channel into your email marketing as quick as possible is super important. Uh, I also use guest expert sessions. I've got a guy that books me podcasts now. He's just booked me two this week. I know we met and that's how we got this one, but podcast strategy, guest expert strategy is really great. And the last one, which I really love, and I'm not getting paid to say this, is Score App, Daniel Priest's Score App. I've got a quiz called, Is Your Business Ready for YouTube? And I think I've had that six months and it's brought me 250 leads. And the great thing about it is, it, and I ask loads of questions about their business. I really understand more about their channel. So by the time I speak to the people who filled this in, I'm really armed with a lot of information that helps me help them in a more personal way, I would say. So Score Up, I think, is amazing. I resisted for years. I think it came out in, during the pandemic and I was like, oh, this sounds like an expensive <laughs> quiz. Like, why do I need another subscription? But since I've used it and I set up that quiz and how beautiful it looks, how great it feels, you know, they fill in my quiz in two minutes. The average is like two to three minutes. I get so much information and it's just so valuable. So I just can't recommend that enough. And they're straight in your email list. You know, they get attached into your email list as well. And away you go. Anyway, enough about promoting them. <laughs> Let's get back to our chat. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge on the podcast today. It's been really great to hear from you. And you know that I've been YouTube curious for years now. So I mean it when I say you will get me over the line at some point. <laughs> I'm making a note of YouTube curious. I love the way you describe that. I'm going to use that immediately. <laughs> So final thing then, where can anybody else who might be YouTube curious find out more about you online? So the best place to go to is my website is kingofvideo.co.uk. But if you want some quick links to some cool stuff like my quiz, for example, if you go to links.kingofvideo.co.uk, so that's links, L-I-N-K-S.kingofvideo.co.uk, you'll get my quiz. I've got my getting started course on there and a few other little bits as well. So great place to get started. Awesome. And... We last saw each other at Atomicon, before that, yeah. Social Media Marketing World, and before that, Adventures in Marketing. Yes. Have you got your ticket for next year? Yeah. No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. Uh, just because, you know, I've been so busy recently and I'm like, February, where am I going to be in February? And I know I need to get my hotel booked as well. So That's all good. I know where you're going to be. You're going to be in Edinburgh, Matt. <laughs> That's where you're going to yeah, be. I, I, you know I'll be there, Nikki. You know I'll be there. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Edinburgh so much. <laughs> awesome. Well, I look forward to that, but we'll no doubt see you before then. And thanks again for sharing everything with us all today. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Cheers. I'll be back next week with another guest episode, this time with profit strategist and founder of Financial Growth Academy, amongst many other businesses, Joe Simpson. We'll be discussing what you need to focus on to actually make profit as a small business owner. I'd love to see you back here then. And remember to head over right now to secure your spot in the Summer Visibility Sprint. 
Together, we're going to make sure that more people discover your business this summer. That link again is nikkihutchison.com forward slash get dash visible. Have a great week and I'll see you next Friday. Until then, take care and keep marketing.